Brady's corner, McShane! Hull City take the lead! Hull City head to the Premier League! They are right in business! Well, you just can't write it. You simply cannot write this kind of stuff. Hello and welcome to another special episode of The Tigers Down Under. We're doing the 2010s flashback series back for another episode. Episode, uh, I think that actually should say six. Uh, episode six. Um, oh, it's actually, it is. It's the, oh, I think I've got the wrong title on there. It should say City Promoted. It shouldn't say Steve Bruce Joins. But anyway, um, we are back for another episode of the 2010s flashbacks. We're doing the second half of the 2012-2013 season. And I have Logan. How are you, Logan? Alex, doing really well and uh, very excited about recapping this season for uh, for obvious reasons. Yeah, some very special memories that that season. We, we sort of covered, I think it was yourself and myself covering the first half of the season. Last time we did this, we finished off with that Leeds game uh, where we beat them 2-0 um, at the MKM, I believe that was, um, to cap off a pretty stellar first half of the season. And, and we're back to cover the second half of the season and how the season ended up. And we've got the picture here, of course, of the uh, promotion party at the KC Stadium, as it was then, um, as we won promotion to the Premier League by the automatic spots for the first time in our history. Um, I mean, we'll sort of talk about the games and the memories and all that sort of thing, but I guess it does make sense just to start with memories of that day, that that 2-2 draw with Cardiff, the the drama that went with it, the Leeds game as well, that the 15-minute delay that meant that we were sort of hanging out, waiting for that Watford result after our game had finished. Um, take, take me through your memories of it. Yeah, look, it was it was just an incredible game for for so many for so many reasons, just the ups and downs. And I think that, as you said, it was it was so much about what we actually witnessed at uh, at the MKM or the, the KCOM or actually it was the KC Stadium at the time, uh, such as the the amount of rebranding we've had with uh, with that particular stadium. But as you said, there was there was two games that that crucially depended on on what was happening and. The anticlimax of the penalty, uh, you know, it, it looked for all money that we, we we'd pulled off the miraculous, and then obviously the, uh, the the last last minute goal, the pitch invasion, and then I think most famously is probably El Mahabadi's dancing, and, <laughs> yeah. um, and and maybe the 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 star, starry eyed look in in a very young Robbie Brady's face, um, you know, it, it was very clear what what that particular moment meant to them. And I think that that particular playing group had, had realised what they had achieved. Um, and I'm not sure that when you think about the second half of the season, it was actually something that the playing group, you know, genuinely believed was going to happen because yeah. it was a much shakier second part of the season. So I think the realisation of uh, promotion being achieved in the manner that it was, uh, it was certainly a heart-stopping day. And I don't think it's one that we will ever forget. Yeah, that's right. I think um, just about out of any game of cities that I can remember, that's the game with the most up and down emotions. Obviously, FA Cup final probably rivals it to an extent, but this one having the happy ending was probably more fond in the memory bank. But um, you sort of go from um, Fraser Campbell scoring the first goal to put Cardiff 1-0 up and you think, oh, we've, we've sort of thrown away the chance. Then we've got Proshwitz equalising and then McShane, as we heard on the um, the intro music there, putting us ahead 2-1. Then we win the penalty to go up 3-1 and you think we've sealed it. And I think, you know, we had some supporters going onto the pitch and um, Bruce getting a bit annoyed, quite rightly, because it sort of disrupted that momentum. And, um, and then, of course, uh, David Marshall, future City goalkeeper, saving the penalty and then Cardiff going down the other end and winning a penalty of their own. 
it was it was it was sort of a weird. I remember it was like that two week period. There was three games. I think there was a game in League One and then two in the Championship. All of which had a penalty awarded down one end and then a goal down the other end. I think Leicester against Watford in the uh, yeah. semi final. The playoffs had similar the following week. So it was it was sort of a very dramatic couple of weeks in 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 the football leagues in that sense as well. But yeah. As we said, as well, just you know, watching the—I think watching the players reacting to that Leeds game and the way it finished afterwards—and you sort of you sort of sitting there at two-two full time, not really knowing whether we're up or not, and it was just that that anxiety of waiting for that other, other game to finish. And of course, Leeds doing us a favour by scoring um, against Watford in that game—it uh, was just you know unbelievable to to go up via the automatic spots. Um, you know. I think the playoffs are always a more enjoyable path to go if if you are to get promoted, um, but but to go up automatically, no stress, and uh, just to be able to enjoy it. Yeah, certainly. And I, I just I, I keep thinking about as you've kind of you know pressed me on this. The there's the I think it's about a five minute highlights package that um, actually sums up the last day, and it's got um you know it's fitted in with with Burnsy's commentary, and it, just the magnitude of the day and the the twists and turns. I think that. You know, we've mentioned a few of them, but when you actually go back and watch that that five minute clip and and see some of the key moments in the game, it's there was just so much drama that you forget actually what took place. Um, you can yeah. remember a few, but until you actually sit and watch it in its entirety, it, it reminds you of just how big a day it truly was. Yeah, that's right. Um, and in this series, we also talk about um, some of the football shirts that we might have collected from that era. And we're both wearing shirts from that season, so maybe I'll get your your. Uh, thoughts your comments first on your shirt and what motivated you to get I think you were saying is it a is it a ghetto shirt it's a ghetto shirt and um it was you know it's su- such was that that Egyptian influence I mean similar to uh, I don't want to you know foretell too many stories when we're going back for a flashback but it certainly uh you know reigns very similar to what we're seeing with the the Turkish influx of supporters uh you know with the recent change in ownership but the amount of support and I guess the um, just the hype that that came with the the signings, um, particularly the you know the it was the the catch line of if you want to score a goal get ghetto on the phone and I can't remember yeah. exactly <laughs> for the words but you just saw you know thousands of Egyptians with their with their fingers up you know next yeah. to their ears you know suggesting that they were they were calling ghetto for a goal and he certainly um, you know had that influence where there were some really crucial games. Um, in the in the build-up that particularly in that um, that part of the season where uh, I remember vividly it was the the early kickoff so it finished about nine o'clock and I, I remember the anxious fifteen minute window where I would have started work and still just be checking my phone madly and uh, I remember you know ghetto uh, popped up for a few really late goals that that end up being uh, crucial and I mean let's not overlook El Mohammedi as well who who was probably the, well definitely the first Egyptian uh, at City and and the influence he had uh, I, I'm pretty sure. This was the season where he got recalled um, halfway yeah, through. That's right. Not, that's right. Yeah. Um, and then we ended up uh, getting him back. So, uh, you know, the role that he played uh, in in the final parts of that season. But I do remember Ghetto just being incredibly influential and um, you know, scoring some critical goals. And he did come in the package with uh, Ahmed Fathi, I believe. Yeah, so, yeah. He, he, played, he played all of, I think he played one game. He played against Wolves and uh, never played that much for us again. But no Ghetto, I mean... I have that that clear memory because this was sort of the pre, uh, I wouldn't say pre Twitter days necessarily. It's probably the first first season maybe that I was following results on Twitter or BBC. You'd get the flash BBC updates. Walking to work in the morning, getting off the train. I think it was the Derby game where he scored a really late goal to give us the win in that one. 
Um, and certainly there was a number of games like that he scored in a row. We'll, we'll talk about Ghetto more in a little bit um, when we get to the signings. But, you know, it's funny because I also have, I've got El Mohamedy on the back of this shirt. So we, we clearly both went for the Egyptian low knees. Um, and it, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's interesting that we've both got low knees on the backs of our shirts because generally I would say that you wouldn't necessarily pick a low knee to get the name of because they're not going to be around long term necessarily. They might, you know, you don't necessarily know what imp- impact they'll have at the club. But such was Ghetto and such was Elmo's influences that we've we've clearly both been influenced to get them on on the backs of our shirts. And I guess for me at the time getting Elmo, I thought surely we're going to get him on a permanent deal. And you know, as you sort of said there, there was the issues where he got recalled by Sunderland for I think a week. They might have played him in the cup or something like that. And we just kind of bit the bullet and got him on a permanent. But um, yeah, look, um, ended up being a pretty pretty decent player for us as well. So um, a good player on the back of the shirt. Um, before we talk about the signings, we did have a couple of players leave that that half of the season as well. Um, I think probably the most noteworthy of them were these two. Um, Liam Cooper leaving in January. Of course, now we know him as as a Leeds player in the Premier League for them. Um, one of that sort of group of players who, who sort of broke through and debuted in the Premier League for us under Phil Brown and then kind of, I guess, fell out of favour or just didn't get the opportunities in, in, in the championship under a few successive managers. Um, and then also Andy Dawson leaving in the summer, so just after the promotion as well. And I would say he's the only he's the only player I can think of at least who who served ten years at the club um, in recent times. And McShane probably got pretty close, but um, Dawson's probably out one of our long, longer serving players in recent times as well. So two uh, Dawson obviously a much more significant departure, but two departures probably in that half of the season. Yeah, Liam Cooper's a really interesting one because I guess you know knowing what we know about him now and. And, and the career that he's gone on to have, I was probably, uh, you know, in some ways, people may have looked at that as a, as a huge scout that, that got away. Uh, but in reality, when you think about the who was occupying the, uh, you know, the central defensive positions, uh, there was Abdullah Faye was there. We had Alex Bruce yeah. who, um, you know, was in, in stellar form at that, at that stage. Um, Jack Hobbs as well. Jack, Jack Hobbs was there. Um, yeah. It was just... It was it was a time James Chester as well I believe it Chester was, as well and McShane of course who played in in the in the Cardiff game that's right and so you know in hindsight uh, at the time it would be really hard pressed to make a case that you know that Lee Cooper should be starting so I mean you know fair play to him he's gone on and had a had a wonderful career but uh, yeah Andy Dawson was certainly the the player here that was one of those city cult heroes that always um, you know always lived up to uh, the I guess the legacy that he created for himself and and city fans are, are still to this day you know have a very very positive memories of Andy Dawson and just that that working class uh, effort he was he was so reliable and I guess he was remembered for you know his time in the Premier League, but ultimately he was also the man that probably secured our uh, our, our strong ties in the option of getting Michael Dawson to the club as That's well. Right. A great signing. So um, you know Andy Dawson, I don't think we can really you know say enough for for, for how he is uh, remembered and and how fondly he was you know uh, considered by the city faithful. Yeah, that's right. And is he, he's the um is he the under twenty threes coach now? Oh, he I think he's involved in the youth setup at the moment. I could be wrong on on his exact position. I think he's the the under twenty threes coach. So I know that he's, yeah, he he definitely had a role at the club. I'm I'm not sure where where that sits to this day, but yeah, most yeah. likely. Yeah, um, we also then you know then we've got the 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 the, the telephone uh, celebration from Ghetto there. So we had we had two uh, massive incomings. Um, we also had a couple of loanees as well. Um, in the form of well, we had Brady. Sorry, I should say Brady signing on a permanent, and um, 
and then Fatty and Ghetto, as we're saying, Elmo um, rejoining on a loan, I think, after that recall from Sunderland. I can't actually remember. Maybe the permanent was in the summer after we got promoted. Um, and George Boyd as well, joining from Peterborough. Um, mm. Both of these guys ba- making a sort of pretty instant impact upon their signings, probably faded a little bit after that, but it was sort of that initial boost that we got from them that was um, what really got us a line, o- over the line in a number of the games. Um, Ghetto, I think it was four or five games in a row where he scored a goal. Boyd scoring the goal against Huddersfield, which just about, you would say, got us up. It was probably the, the most significant win in that second half of the season in that sense. But yeah, two two super players in that second half of the season. Oh, absolutely. And I know we've already talked about Ghetto, but it's just even as you said, I think it was yeah, five games in a row in which he, he featured on the score sheet. And for that to happen in the championship is an, is an incredible run. And particularly for an overseas player uh, to come in and to, you know, that people talk about how difficult the championship is to play in, the, the physicality of it. And so... The impact that he made was, uh, you know, will be will be remembered for a long time. Uh, the, actually, the funniest memory that I still have of George Boyd, and it's I wouldn't say that it's you know a, a unique memory, but there was I'm pretty sure, and this may have been the season after, was uh, when he was, uh, I think Nottingham Forest wanted to buy yeah. him. Yeah, the, the the manager didn't end up taking him because he failed an eye test. With the glasses, or, yeah. And so when he scored against them, you know, he ran over to the Nottingham Forest fans and, and gave that the shadow glasses. And I thought that's just an incredibly satisfying moment for him personally. And it's it's probably what I'll remember him for. But I do actually remember one thing about George Boyd is Steve Bruce chased him incredibly hard. To uh, It was a player that he'd been linked with for a long, long time. And uh, when he finally got his man, uh, Steve Bruce was full of praise of, of George Boyd. He'd really rated him as a footballer. Yeah, it's probably that goal against Huddersfield, the the celebration, as you said, and then sort of jumping ahead a bit to the next season. But there was that assist for Aluko's winner at Newcastle. And I think it was the goal against Swansea. I think that that 1-0 game against Swansea to keep us up. See, he's he's got a couple of those, you know, 1-0 goals to um to 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 get us decent results so he, that's probably the, the the overwhelming memories and it's a shame when you think about the fact he was really only at the club for a season and a half joining in yep. this in this january or february and then essentially getting well, he got sold to burnley as part of the well not the deal that got the army but it was basically a swap where we paid pretty much a similar fee to west ham to get the army so uh, you know, arguably you say, yeah, maybe Diami's an upgrade on Boyd, but it's a bit of a, it, it was that sort of that summer window where it's a bit of a shame we didn't get more out of um, out of Boyd at the club. It was, um, you know, it was a really promising spell that he had here. It really was. And then I, I do remember there was uh, was periods where he was plagued with injury, um, yeah. which in, in hindsight is, as you said, that, that surprised me that he only did have a season and a half because it did feel like he had a, a longer lasting impact, particularly when you consider that he did have some injury problems. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Um, and then the other one, I guess, was the loan out of um, Cameron Stewart as well. Uh, mm. It was pretty much the end of his time at City as well. We, we've sort of touched on in previous episodes the struggles that he had at the club, but uh, probably in a similar vein to Cooper where you think at the time maybe it's a bit of a shame that he's he's not made it at City, but, but sort of in hindsight, in retrospect, you think it was – you know, a fair enough move to make. We didn't really lose out too much on um, on him leaving the club. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that, you know, the, the promise that he showed and what he ended up delivering in the end uh, was was a far cry because I still remember just watching highlights of, of many of the games and it was pretty much the Cameron Stewart show. Um, often no end product, but 
the way that he would dribble at defenders reminds me of very, very similar traits to what Keane Lewis Potter does when he terrorizes yeah. defenders, uh, when he breaks through on that wing. So, yeah, it's a, a, a sad end for, for Cameron Stewart with his time at City, but yeah, certainly not someone who um, I think was hugely missed in that respect. No, certainly. Um, we'll, we'll talk now just about, we'll round things off. We'll talk about some of our highlights from the games in that second half of the season. And I think as you sort of touched on earlier and so did I, that the second half of the season, we only had the nine wins for that um, for that second half of the season compared to 15 in the first half of the season, which when you sort of think about it, it's um, it's amazing how many sort of points we had on the board early in the season to, to maintain that spot in the top two. And, and I think we sort of touched on it in the last episode that there's that memory of that last four games of the season where, We'd beaten Ipswich, and I think it was Proshwitz who got the two goals against Ipswich. Oh, no, that was first half of the season. It was Brady and Corrin got the goals against Ipswich. We beat Ipswich, and it was basically the case that we just had to win one of our last four games to go above what to stay above Watford and, and to confirm the automatic promotion spots. And we went to Wolves, we went to Bristol City, we went to Barnsley, and I think we got the nil-nil draw with Bristol City, but you know, losses to Wolves and Barnsley at the time, neither of which being great clubs, uh, in great form, I should say. Um, left us feeling a bit twitchy heading to that final day of the season. But it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a nervy end to that season. It certainly was. And I remember this vividly because I was actually at Portman Road uh, for the victory um, in, in that Ipswich game that you're talking about. And I, uh, I still remember catching the train home and uh, there was a, an old man who was far too intoxicated and he hopped on <laughs> the train singing Stevie Bruce was having a party to himself and the carriage yeah. just arrived. Uh, it yeah. was it was a really special time, and I think it, at that point, uh, you know, on that exact day, there was another result where I'm pretty sure uh, Peterborough had upset Watford, and it was uh, maybe it was three 0 It was a uh, I I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly, so you might need to fact check. Right, yeah, I'll check it. it. It was an incredible um, it was an incredible surprise to everybody, and as the uh, results were coming through, you could hear the the goal updates, uh, and then when we when we read ahead. Um, it was just an incredible feeling in in the in the away stand at Portman Road and, and watching people jump down the you know down the aisle to to celebrate with each other. There really was a sense that we were going up and and as you mentioned that particularly that away loss to Barnsley uh, that was soul destroying because it seemed like the most likely chance we had of of securing our fate and uh, when it wasn't taken we we know the rest but setting up that final day with Cardiff um you know seemed like an incredibly unfortunate circumstance given the yeah. position that we had put ourselves in yeah I, I remember i think i was out i was out in the city for something and i found a bar that had back in the day the old satanta sports that had the yeah. uh, championship games and i think they they televised each of our last four games because they kept thinking this would be the game that we'd be promoted in so it was actually great because you know before the days of i follow being able to watch all of our games was a real treat and we, you know, yeah, the loss to Wolves, the loss to Barnsley, the, the Barnsley loss in particular, because, you know, watching that game, you just thought this would be it. We've had our sort of stumble, but we know what we need to do and we'll get it done. And we didn't. Um, you've got a good memory. I was just having a look. So we they, they lost 3-2 to Peterborough, but they were down 3-0. So that might have been the moment yeah. that you were thinking of when they're down 3-0 in that game. But, yeah, so, so Watford were really stumbling as well. And it was really just a case that we just needed to have a win. They beat Blackburn 4-0 and then Leicester 2-1 heading into their last game as well. So it's not as if they were losing their last few games. They were really kind of closing in on us. So um, the frustration that we couldn't get it done against Barnsley was immense and, uh, yeah, took it to the final day. In a way, I suppose, looking back on it, with the benefit of hindsight, you think, well, Cardiff were already up. They didn't have a whole lot to play for. Maybe it was actually a pretty decent fixture to get. But at the same time, you've still got a pretty quality opponent as well. So 
a few nerves heading into that one for sure. Um, in terms of other kind of call-outs or, or highlights from that second half of the season, my memory as well is that 5-2 win against Birmingham City, which was actually on my birthday, um, with, you know, Boyd getting two, Ghetto getting two, and Corrin getting one as well. Um, at that, around that time, I think we had a pretty good record against Birmingham. We seemed to be smashing them in most games. But you look at the um, you look at the scores around it. We'd lost 4-1 to Bolton in the game before that, and then we lost 4-2 to Palace the game after that. So being involved in what's that, um, 7, 12, uh, 18 goals in three games is a very uh, non-Steve Bruce sort of situation to find yourselves in, but um, at least getting the 5-2 win at Birmingham in, in amongst that. And absolutely. And now that you've just mentioned that some of those crucial games, there's one game that does stand out to me that I still feel aggrieved to this day, and that is the 4-2 loss uh, to Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park. I, I remember this because, uh, you know, sometimes there's those moments in football when you feel robbed, but yeah. I would love to go back and watch the highlights of this game because I swear blind that Crystal Palace were given two penalties in that game yeah. that were not even close to being anything that you could remotely regard as a penalty. And I remember watching the highlights maybe five or six times looking for a case to see, you know, how it could potentially have been awarded a, a pen. Um, and it was a, a proper disgrace of, of of a refereeing form that day. And I, I just I still hold on to it, obviously. Um but, yeah, it was just a, a, one of those crucial results. And I do remember Palace were, um, you know, up around um, around the top of the table at this this stage as well. And um, and I remember it being a crucial game for us because I thought if we could get a point here, it would really set us up. And I thought we played uh, really well. I'd love to go back now as we reflect on this and see what Steve Bruce's uh, post-match press conference was because I'm sure that there was a little bit of controversy around it. Well, it's funny you say that because there's a brilliant documentary on Amazon called, I want to say it's called When Eagles Soar or something like that. It's all about that season for Crystal Palace because they came out of administration a season or two before that and it's all about their promotion to the Premier League. And there is an episode where they're showing the various highlights of Zaha kind of ripping up the, the, the league and they've got the the 4-2 result against City and, and, and the goals that they scored in that one. And I'm just looking at it. Yeah, they had two penalties in the game. I think Stockdale saved one of them, but they got the other one. Um, uh, Steve Bruce's comments, he says, I've no complaints with the result, but that may be the worst penalty I have ever seen. It was a yeah. shocking, shocking decision. Referees make the decisions, but we have to live with them. <laughs> so I don't think he was particularly happy with the, uh, the penalty decision. Yeah, no, and, and fair enough too. I think that's, that's my homework. After we get off air, I'm going to go yeah. and find footage of that because it was an out and out disgrace. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, look, apart from that, I mean, there's not a whole lot of standout results in that second half. I mean, we sort of touched on the couple there um, and it really was just a case of grinding out those results. There's that stretch in February when Ghetto was scoring in just about every game. Um, that 2-1 derby game that I was actually thinking of is actually Al Mohamedy who got the goal in the 87th minute, but Ghetto had scored earlier in that game. Um, I do remember that one reasonably well but there was that stretch of games where we just had to get the wins on the board and and ghetto and elmo and again like they scored both goals in that blackburn game as well ghetto got the winner against charlton as well so 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 elmo elmo as well at the time was in in pretty incredible goal scoring form as as a, a right wing back and i mean we'll, we'll probably talk about it more with the um the premier league season when we get to those flashback episodes but you see so many premier league sides now playing with three at the back but i, I remember at the time when bruce set us up with three at the back it was seen as quite quite strange and quite revolutionary at the time because everyone was just so used to playing with four at the back 
And it's kind of funny when people sort of talk about Bruce as a dinosaur or, you know, not being very into his tactics and that sort of thing. But the way he set us up just just saw us through that season so well. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, when you when you reflect on it now and you realize the the caliber of Robbie Brady, particularly at the time, and and El Mahamedy, mm -hmm. uh, what was asked of them with with those guys, you know, bombing on, they they were in all sense of the words, like out and out fullbacks, and it was incredible to watch. Uh, just the amount of running. I, I remember being at the KCOM because that was a year that um, that I was over there. And I, I for randomly, I was there for two patches of the season. Uh, you know, later in the year and then the Christmas period. And I just remember kind of sitting in the in the east stand and watching them. And I, I could not believe I was kind of in awe about being at the ground and just seeing the distances that they that they were able to cover. So, yeah, great shout out to you know to, to see what those guys were able to accomplish. And as you said, the system that Bruce adopted uh, obviously was, you know, perfect for the championship. That's right. That's right. Um, well, that, that's just about it. I guess, were there any final thoughts or overriding feelings from that season that you wanted to call out that we haven't touched on yet? Look, I, I think we've touched on it, but I, I still just will never, ever be able to fathom the fact that Paul McShane was responsible for the goal that, that got City up. Yeah. I don't think he scored in four years. Um, yeah. And for him to, him to pop up with a very Paul McShane-esque goal, I guess if you were, you know, to guess how Paul McShane would score, that's probably how you would, you know, imagine it, him just wrestling another defender and having I'm an awful it in. Yeah. But it was just, it was pure heart. And how he ran over to the Sky camera and, you know, pushed it out the way when they got it in his face. Like those, those scenes were just remarkable. And, and we had all the Irish, you had Quinn, you had McShane, you had Brady all sort of together. And it was that core of players, as you said, that it was just brilliant to see. Yeah. And that's, and you know, we've, we talked about the, the Egyptian contingent as well and, and the, the role that they had, but it was really interesting to see how Bruce built that team. You know, he had his Irish core, he had the, the, the English lads that, that really galvanized, you know, and had that, I guess maybe brought the club culture, but just the balance where he was able to, to bring in that Egyptian flair, um, and, you know, and even players like Nick Proschwitz, who is pretty much a forgotten man this season, but yeah. did score really crucial goals for us. Um, it was just a, it was an incredible time. And, uh, you know, lo looking back at those players, uh, it was such a balance of emerging players and, you know, players that really, um, you know, were, were reasonably unknown. Uh, like I remember the signing of Nick Proschwitz was, he was from uh, Paderborn or somewhere, yeah, somewhere yeah. relatively unknown. And he demanded quite a fee. And he was very slow to get going. So I, I remember people, you know, scratching their head thinking, what kind of signing is this? And then, you know, I, I and guess. Then you, and you, you look at like Shawnee Luco joining on a free. So, you have, you know, the, the, the impact that he had as well. That's right. It was an incredibly uh, diverse playing roster. Yet at the same time, it, it had such a, you know, a positive core. So a, a team that I really enjoyed watching. And, you know, as we reflect on this, I know that promotion is probably the thing that we remember the most, but. It was just, it was such a ride to see, you know, players come in, go out and and all contribute. And we know how many players of, of this particular group went on and, um, you know, solidified themselves as regular Premier League footballers. So, you know, fair play. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to, to covering off that 13-14 season as well because there's some pretty fantastic memories that season as well. But look, until next time, thanks for joining me for this one, Logan. My pleasure. Good to be here. No. No worries. And thanks everyone for listening in. We'll be back with our regular podcast uh, tomorrow to reflect on both the Barnsley game and also the QPR game from the weekend. But until next time, come on City.
You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. There's no turning back cause you're out.